I'm insanely protective of my girls. And you can't tell always because it is very calculated the way that I show them, the way that I show our things. Everything is usually a day or two behind, except for my stories. But even like my stories yesterday were eight hours delayed. Right. So I, I'm I'm pretty methodical on that. Um, I do share a lot because a lot of things are super real. My daughter's like, so my youngest daughter doesn't like it. She doesn't like, cause she doesn't, she hates performing. She hates having her birth her the birthday song sang to her. And so now she records a lot of them and that's like her part of it. My oldest is a performer. Like that's all she wants to do. Mm-hmm. So we've learned that you asked about their mother. Look, my ex-wife and I don't get along. I don't hide that. I love her with all of my heart. She's the mother of my children. There is no one I respect more than her. I will never let someone disrespect her ever. Like my daughters give her gifts on Mother's Day, on Christmas. I give her gifts on Mother's Day and Christmas. I listen to her thoughts and concerns. Um, and it's not like we have some kumbaya relationship. So I, I know you can do this if you have a better relationship than I have. She has, she definitely has, she's just not on social. So she has a ton of concerns and we talk about them. Now, I don't listen to all of them and I don't shut off social because of all of them, but there were certain things that she didn't like. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Like, you know, I, I I can handle a few things that make you uncomfortable. If your friends and family comment and make fun of me and the girls, like you got to deal with that. I'm sorry. It's a great day to flex your freedom. I'm your host, Barb Allen. Today, I am here with someone, a guest who is going to be instrumental in us talking about one of our pillars and what we focus on, you know, self-family community country. Our country is spiraling every which way right now. And rather than relying on the government or the politicians to put it back together, we need to remember that it's us, the American people that have the power to do that. But The only way we're going to do that is if we strengthen ourselves individually, we strengthen our families and we strengthen our communities because strong people build strong families, strong families build strong communities and strong communities will build a strong country. And then the other piece of the puzzle, cleaning up all the political crap can fall into place and have an impact. So today we're going to focus on strengthening yourself and strengthening your family, even if it's not what the quote traditional family is supposed to look like, right? Because life doesn't always go the way it's supposed to go. Lord knows I didn't imagine when I walked down the aisle all those years ago and looked forward to my 10th, 15th, 20th wedding anniversary, it did not look anything like me being a widow and a stepmom and a fiance. Uh, and having all these elements to my life that I have now, but that's the way it goes, right? And I imagine every couple who gets, I don't think there's a single couple that walks down the aisle on their wedding day and says, oh, hey, you know, this will be good until we get divorced. You know, I don't think that's in anybody's plan, but life happens, twists happens, plots twists happen, you have to go with it, and you're still a family. You still need to even work harder maybe to dig deep and develop a new sense of family. So today's guest is somebody that I saw quite some time ago. I found you, Carl, on Instagram, where I think you're uh, probably on TikTok, but don't tell Pat. I don't really go on TikTok much. (laughs) So, um, But I did see you on Instagram. I really love your content. I love the way you do it. Your girls are, of course, adorable. Um, But I I have so many questions to ask you about all of it, it. the ins and outs, the backsides, the upsides. But what I really admire and appreciate is the way that you are still 
maintaining a family unit with you and your two girls um, and mm -hmm. how you've learned to pivot with that, which we all need to do. So Carla Polito, thank you for being oh, here with thank, us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, and for uh, I'll give you a little back scenes uh, insight here, everybody. We just put Carl through about 25 minutes of technical <laughs> madness and he has borne through with the patience and, uh, and grit of a saint. So that tells you a lot about him as well. Carl, um, when did you decide to hop onto Instagram there and, and say, hey, I'm going to document this? So that's a great question because it's a little bit different than what most people imagine. I, um, I lived in Silicon Valley in 2008 um, after college, uh, actually working in the apparel industry, but that's just when social media took off out there. And it was impossible to live out there and just not be a part of it. And then since then, you know, over the last, goodness, 14, 15 years, I built a career in software and technology. But social has been, I mean, it is technology and software. Um, so it's always been at the root of my entire career. I've been an advisor for over 10 software startups. They all have a social component. Um, and so it's always been a big part of my life. I also have family and friends all over the country. So I was born in Texas. I grew up in Southern California, went to high school and college in Tennessee, went around the country after that, Silicon Valley twice. Um, went to business school, got my MBA at Villanova in Philadelphia. And so I've been in Philadelphia slash New Jersey for the last 10 years. And so my friends and family are everywhere but here. And Facebook originally was always a great place to just keep in touch with people. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not the guy that went to elementary school, middle school, high school, college, came back to the same town. I've, you know, my wedding, my first wedding party, I always kind of had that joke. My first wedding party <laughs> were, were guys from, one from childhood, one from you know high school, one from college. They always had their parts in like my phases of life. So social has been a. It wasn't this new thing that I did during quarantine, like a lot of people. It's uh, it's always been kind of an active part. The virality definitely happened. Um, I would say early part of 2020, I made a really big step in my faith, and after leaving the Catholic Church, which I was an altar server. My whole life growing up, I was raised Catholic. My daughters were both baptized. They go to Catholic school. Um, but I found myself in a really weird place after my divorce and spiritually. And so I went on this really big spiritual journey, a lot of education, and then treating the Bible as if it was a textbook. Um, you know, it's the oldest, uh, it's the oldest book in the world that's been verified. So why not treat it like a textbook? So I started studying, studying more. And the more I started studying, I found myself in a place of, all right, so like you have a really cool component of your life, that's your faith. And you have a really cool component of your life, that's your daughters. And I just started sharing it on TikTok. Um, every Wednesday night, I, I hold open prayer requests on TikTok. I'm not a pastor. I'm not ordained. I'm just a dude that went through a lot of shit. And I have a strong faith. I didn't, I had no idea how many people... Um, and we've never even talked about our faith before. So like, I, I have no, I, I had no idea how many people were seeking that who felt like they were, they're not perfect. They've got tattoos, they've got piercings, they've messed up in life and they just didn't have a normal person to connect with. So my TikTok blew up. Um, it's at 160,000 people now. Um, and then that just led over to Instagram. And uh, Instagram went from zero to 50,000 pretty quick. And then Facebook went from zero to 20,000 pretty quick after that. And it's, um, 
whenever I make my content about myself, never does well. It's really interesting. Uh, if I share my story or I talk about my daughters, it does really, really well. You know, my daughters love, they love it. It's been a bonding mechanism for us. And it's also really cool because now they film things with each other for a YouTube kids channel. And then now they're learning to edit, produce, nice. publish. So it's been a really uh, intricate journey. It hasn't been as simple as like, oh, I didn't just jump on, make a viral video and then... And then um, Right. Yeah, it's been tied together. But then once virality happened, you know, I'm kind of a closet nerd. So I started studying why does that happen? And, um, and it's been a really cool bonding mechanism with my daughters. Absolutely. How old are your daughters? They are nine and seven, which is crazy to say out loud. It is crazy, but it happens, dude. I tell you what, I don't feel like the mom of a 23-year-old because in my head, there's all babies, right? So my youngest is about to turn 19. Oh, boy. So it happens, right? It's It happens. Ah, but so yeah, fast. it is weird. So I have a lot of, I, mean, I there are so many things to dig into with that because, you know, I'll go with one that strikes a chord. Well, they all strike a chord with me, right? But in terms of sharing kids and getting kids involved with the social media aspect and oh, all I that, it. I see, see, I, I a lot of people yes. do that. My kids would have killed me in my sleep if I like put them on and shared our personal path. Like, you know, mm -hmm. someone cried themselves to sleep last night. You know, Mr. Dad, we did Father's Day cards. My kids came home from school. We don't have a dad and it's sad. And I said, like, mm -hmm. my kids would have not, they would have not been okay with that. They were very private about their their struggles and their grief mm -hmm. and watching me with my struggles. Like they just sure. didn't, they wanted to keep it really private. So I can't imagine having, having done that, having done that. So I don't know what it's like for kids who are like, yes, like I want to be involved in this and please put all our stuff out there. Like, does it have a ripple effect in your family to do that? And I just asked somebody else yeah. that too, because he shared something about his dad. So there's always like there's always people on the other side of what we share, and and, and all that. So what is the what is the aftermath? Like how does that go over with the the girl's mom and another people in the family? And yeah, I know for sure, absolutely. Um, I'll answer it very directly. I yeah. if, if there's anything off limits, I'll tell you, and there, and there rarely is. I mean, there just isn't because I think that my story does hit so many people. Yeah. That it's it's only right and fair like to share all the elements. Um, I'll start with social media as a broader topic. So I get the question a lot about people don't feel safe about putting their kids out there. Right. And if you look at every single generation, there's always been a thing the older generation is worried about with the younger generation. That's always happened. Mm -hmm. So I'm 38. My daughters are going into second and fourth grade. You know, my my fourth grader wants a phone so bad. Everyone in our class has a phone. So like I'm figuring out like you know my thought is like well I didn't have one and I didn't need one that's what every generation has always said forever right right so then think about like well, what did that do to us as kids how do we respond to that because they're responding the exact same way just the topic's different um so that's that's one of the things I feel like if I if I walk with them in a journey and I don't demonize things in life then they're much more likely to come to me when there are going to be challenges in whatever it is. Sure. If I simply say that social media is off limits, we don't do it, like they're going to go do it. I, I remember where I was when I saw my first Playboy. It wasn't at my house. Right, right. <laughs> the James Tonkin's house, we were 12 years old. It was our right. baseball party. I was 12. I could tell you exactly how it went down, right? He had no I don't think we need guidance. to know all the details of that there, Carl. <laughs> 
the funny the funny part is right so you have people who have no guidance yeah and and that's where and that's where your kid is going to end up and every kid ends up there right they have no guidance at one friend's house and so if you haven't put any kind of mechanisms in place another good example is is firearms like both my daughters have 22s in new jersey this is not a common popular belief to raise your kid around firearms now being born in texas and having a big part of my life in Tennessee, I look at it a little bit different. I only do it because they're at little Johnny's house and he's in his dad's gun case. Right. My daughters will know exactly what to and not to do. Right. So I'm a big believer in walking them with them through social media and then allowing, you know, sharing with them where the boundaries are. Right. But in terms people. of sharing your personal life with everybody, yeah, yeah. like it's one thing for social media to be shared with them, but right. in terms of sharing your your yeah, family, so then, your personal life with, with everybody yeah. else. Like how does. So it's very calculated. Yeah. Look at how you consume content. Right. right. So it's, it's all psychological. If you give people, and this is actually like a, like a Machiavellian um, uh, ruler type of tactic, right? If you give the peasants just enough, they don't ask for anything else. Right. So like it's a messed up way of saying it, but nonetheless, no, I hear you. I, I, hear you. I give, I give people enough online to where they they're 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 they're, they're filled like their their cup is filled with what they want from me, and it looks as if so nothing is fake. I don't hide anything. I don't I don't make stories up. It's a hundred percent real, and it's just enough to one keep the sensation for wanting more there, but two they don't pry. They don't. Um, they're just I don't have. They're very fulfilled. I share very little. We, I actually, it's and I was telling you someone say that because when, when I look at it, I, I know you don't share, like, I, I know there's many more layers, but I look at it, I'm like, wow, that's pretty like raw to put out there. Like, I get it, it makes sense, but again, and maybe I'll, I should just move on because I don't think well, I'm really hammering moments, this yeah. home. But I feel like if I did that there with are. my, you know, like, oh, you know, no, we're so, well, so how, sad old, about how old this. were your kids? How old were your kids when they lost their dad? They were six, five, three, and one. Um, and then we mm-hmm. had like, murder trials and stuff and it was national news and so there was all this stuff right so and social media wasn't really a thing then but even as their teenage years went on and it's not just about my kids but i'm just i know a lot of people who do go out there and share and so i'm always curious i'm always curious to know because i don't think this is something that people think through when they're posting so they don't i don't think people think through like what is the value of me posting this i share a lot but Mm. there's a lot more i withhold because i think yeah God, I would love to go out there and straighten this record out. I would love to go clear this up. I would love to go like push back against this crap being said. But to what end? Like, yeah, so I, I, that's a whole separate thing. Yeah. I, I, I have a ton of thoughts on that. Right. I, I always tell people, clients included, but more, more, more so regular people that are like, oh, you're a content creator. That's so cool. I want to go viral. And I'm like, are you ready to go viral? Right. Like, the first time I ever went viral on TikTok, Actually, it wasn't even a, a planned piece of content. It was one that meant a lot to me. Every So I have my daughters on Mondays and Tuesdays. They go mm-hmm. to their moms on Wednesdays and Thursdays. We, we split the weekends. And I've been divorced for five and a half years. And I've never slept in my bed on a Wednesday night. I sleep on the couch. I, I, I struggle. And I started doing open prayer requests on Wednesday nights as a way to kind of get me through Wednesday nights. Okay. And so I just recorded their mom picking them up out of my driveway and then driving away. I actually remember that post. And that's one I had in my head. <laughs> I'm and thinking about that. Yeah. And all it says is, you know, every Wednesday they go to their moms. Uh-huh. I struggle with it. 
And it was in the only, like the only point of that post was that it was, a, it was for me. It was like, I need to like, if I'm going to talk about being divorced and talk about being a single parent, like I need to show the moment that breaks me the most. Right. So it goes viral. And two things I didn't expect. One, who could hate on that? It's like somebody being upset about this, oh, right? People will hate on that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I'm lucky because I've got daughters and they're cute. So, okay. and I'm an attractive single dad. This is being honest. I veer away from a lot of the negative comments. Like I don't get attacked. I'm not the profile that gets attacked. Um, viral like comments. Magic get- formula then. That's a... It's lucky that we, we kind of fall into a little, but anyways, the, the point being that um, some people immediately thought like, why are you mad? Their mom only gets them one day a week. And I'm like, that was a far assumption. Like that's not, I no, they just go to their mom's Wednesday, right. but, here's what I did, but here's what I didn't expect. So TikTok has changed everything in social media and we can get into this, but what they changed and it literally changed the entire landscape of social media. Everything we've ever known in social is based off the social graph. Meaning, who are we social with? Mm-hmm. And TikTok made it about the interest graph, which has nothing to do with our friends and family and has everything to do with us. What are we interested in? What do we like to do? And they built their algorithm completely different than the rest of them. So my video landed with other single parents. It also landed with kids of single parents. Oh, there you go. One, I don't... I don't I, I have a strong view that says, I'm not in charge of what your kids see on social media. So don't right. come at me saying, oh, my kid looks at you as a whatever. And he saw something on your page and it's not appropriate. Like I, I, I will curse every now and then on my page. Not often, but like I do. And someone will be like, oh, my, my kid follows you because you're a Christian influencer. I'm like, what your kid watches is your responsibility, not mine. Right. Um, but I hearing their comments, I just hadn't thought about them. A lot of them made me think, I actually turned the comments off on that one because I wasn't ready to go viral. I didn't know it. So that's a big thing. Like it sounds cool, but like, I didn't even get hate comments. That was just like a 14 year old being like, you know, I never knew my dad might miss me when I leave. Like that's just in my world. Like I, you know, or my dad never, my, or my dad never, you know, he's never, I've never met him. Or I wish I had one like you. I'm like, I'm not, I, I'm not that great. I think I'm, I, it was like just overwhelming. Yeah. Are you ready to go viral? The second one is I'm insanely protective of my girls. And you can't tell always because it is very calculated the way that I show them, the way that I show our things. Everything is usually a day or two behind, except for my stories. But even like my stories yesterday were eight hours delayed. Right. So I, I'm, I'm pretty methodical on that. Um, I do share a lot because a lot of things are super real. My daughter's like, so my youngest daughter doesn't like it. She doesn't like, cause she doesn't, she hates performing. She hates having her birth or the birthday song sang to her. And so now she records a lot of them and that's like her part of it. My oldest is a performer. Like it's all she wants to do. Mm-hmm. So we've learned that you asked about their mother. Look, my ex-wife and I don't get along. I don't hide that. I love her with all of my heart. She's the mother of my children. There is no one I respect more than her. I will never let someone disrespect her ever. Like my daughters give her gifts on Mother's Day, on Christmas. I give her gifts on Mother's Day and Christmas. I listen to her thoughts and concerns. Um, And it's not like we have some kumbaya relationship. So I, I know you can do this if you have a better relationship than I have. 
she has, she definitely has, she's just not on social. So she has a ton of concerns and we talk about them. Now, I don't listen to all of them and I don't shut off social because of all of them, but there were certain things that she didn't like. I'm like, all right, that's fine. Like, you know, I, I, I can handle a few things that make you uncomfortable. If your friends and family comment and make fun of me and the girls, like you got to deal with that. I'm sorry. Right. Right. If you think something's inappropriate, I mean, it's them singing worship music. It's, I don't really tell it the inappropriate line very often with my kids, but if there's something that you don't like, you listen and you just be like, I don't like a normal, rational human. You talk about it and, um, and you kind of move on from there. My family loves it because again, they get to see them. Yeah. They, they get to be like a part of their lives. They're never live. When I go live on TikTok or Instagram, my daughters are never live ever. Right. Um, no one ever gets to see them. And the last thing I'll say is, uh, a really amazing benefit has been um, them getting recognized in public, but not, but not in a way I expected. So I was really nervous about that. I think we don't have a million. We have a quarter of a million followers, but not like, right. We're not famous, you know, but so um, it happened once at last year at the Tennessee football game, because we were actually leave on Wednesday for this year to go down for a Tennessee football game. And I have a lot of followers down there. And so someone saw us at the game. They said, hi. That was kind of a cool moment. Um, but somebody from my, my daughter's go to a private Catholic school. And at the, uh, the, the their fundraising event, a mom brought her daughter to meet. And she's an eighth grader, right? So last year, my daughter was in first and third grade. And so this mom brought her daughter to meet the girls, who's an eighth grader. And she goes, hi, this is so-and-so. And she's your student body president. I just wanted her to meet you guys because I love what you guys are doing online. Awesome. And the girls looked at me like, that's an eighth grader. She's popular. And she's smart. Yeah. And, but what we do online is a lot about our faith. And like, it isn't like shake your booty and make a video. Right, right. And I'm like, y'all, that person loved like what's in your heart, mm-hmm. how you act. And she's your student body president. Like, don't get it. Don't get confused on what you think is cool. Right. Versus what this person literally told you was cool. Mm-hmm. That was a, that was an amazing, you can't script that. You can't fake it. No, that's a really rewarding moment to feel like uh, I did this for my kids. Like I gave this moment to to my girls, you know, that was, that was cool. Like that's a positive impact I had. I want to talk for a minute now to, and again, I mentioned, so Dave is my fiance. He's divorced. You know, he's got two kids that are now teenagers his daughter was nine and his son was seven when I met Dave. So I've known them for significant and I've spent a ton of time with them, especially in the past four years we've lived together. So I'm like really invested in this relation. I never imagined I'd be a stepmom, right? Like wasn't really at all. I'd be a stepmom one day, but here I am, like I'm a stepmom, right? So I'm still figuring this out. And um, and it's turned that. into a really great thing. He and his ex have done about as good a job, I think, as could possibly be done putting those kids first. Um, everything is, you know, there's lots of text back and forth. This one is a homework assignment. That one, can you pick up this kid? Can you drive him there? Hey, I'm concerned about this. How should we handle that? Like, you know, so, and as much as like the ex and the stepmom can get along, we do. Um, and we kind of work together. And And I see, so even when, when all of the best case scenarios on a divorce situation are in place, mm-hmm. I see how it's hard on the kids. For the instance, like they're never in the same place for a week. You know, it's four days here, three days there, and then three days here, four days there, like the switch. So 
like just, oh, you know, I forgot this at mom's house or I don't have that at dad's house or I got on the wrong bus today because I forgot what day it was of the week it was and just, and two different cultures, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason people get divorced. So there's one culture at that house and we're an entirely different culture at this mm-hmm. house. So half the week, the kids are, okay, this is how we roll at this house. Then they go to that house. They have different rules. They come here. They, and it's like, it's, it's hard. It's hard on them. And I had to learn as we went, I had to learn how to acknowledge that and adjust to that. Cause you know, I had to, I had to look at it from the kid's perspective and figure that all out. So it's taken us a bunch of years. I feel like we hit our groove, but how, how are you doing that? How do you do that with your kids and two different cultures? And what is your advice for parents who are in the same scenario and trying to raise kids in in two cultures? So I'm very, very blunt on this. I'm extremely direct. You chose to marry your ex. You did. Your choices. A lot of things can happen in a divorce. And sharing my story online the last two and a half years, I have heard I have heard them. And one, it's made me definitely relook and reevaluate my own situation. Very blessed compared to, and especially single parents that have lost a spouse that they loved dearly. I, I've I've met. So I was on uh, Good Morning America last year about dating as a single parent, and the other girl that was with me um, had lost her husband to cancer. And learning about being a single parent, dealing with that grief. And then me being a single parent, I never looked, I just, I just looked at life as a single parent and there's layers there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have an amazing relationship because on her side too, learning that um, I have a different type of grief, meaning the grief of my future that I thought that I had invested in. And so um, I've actually learned a lot from people that are single parents that have nothing to do with my experience. That makes sense. Um, yeah, total sense. Total sense. Getting to know kind of her, and then yeah. what's been amazing is, I used to I used to have all these questions. This is a whole separate conversation, but I used to have all these questions like why she viewed things a certain way. And she recently gave a talk and was talking about the parallels between uh, divorce and, and and losing your spouse. And I was like, that's pretty amazing because two years ago that conversation would have never happened. So we've actually learned a lot from each other. I've learned a lot from people that have gone through very traumatic experiences. Um, I've learned a lot from people that, and these are, this is, and what's crazy, this is everyone that's come to me to learn from my content. Mm-hmm. And then through hearing their stories, I'm like, man, like I'm learning so much from y'all. And I say that to say, I firmly believe that, and this is, again, this is rooted in my faith. I firmly believe that it's my job, my duty on earth to be my daughter's earthly father, to steward them through life. And I take that responsibility insanely serious. So is it difficult to co-parent? Absolutely. I, I, no one made me marry their mother. I made that choice. You got to deal with that choice. You got to make the best of it. And, and your kids had nothing to do with it. Right. Nothing. Um, so that's, that's step one. I, I think the second part is, is that I hear a lot about people saying, I hear a lot of people st- Tell me, you know, I, I want to co-parent and I, and I, and I, and I, I do everything I'm, I'm supposed to do and they just won't do anything. I get that comment a ton. And I'm always like, look, you, you have an expectation to get to a certain point and do a certain thing. And the person, the other person has not agreed 
to arrive at that same destination for right, wrong, or indifferent. So you cannot expect to just do 50% of the effort and, and arrive at a place that they never agreed to arrive at. So you need to figure out what you want as a, as a, co- as a, as a single parent and then figure out how far you're willing to go to get that. Because damn sure is way more than 50%. And so what I mean by that is I, I desperately want my ex-wife and I to be on better terms. And we have different realities on what happened, but her reality is hers. It's her truth. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I think the fastest way to never getting along is telling someone that their reality is, isn't true. And in her truth, I, I, I'm a core figure in that truth. I have to accept the fact that and, and what bothers her and what hurt her. Personally, I can disagree with it all I want, but in her mind and in her feelings, it's very real. And that process for her is going to be different than my process for me. They're not aligned. If we weren't aligned when we were married, like we're definitely not aligned in our healing process through divorce. So for me, very quickly, I made the decision that I know what I want the end to be. I also traveled 180 days a year in my career at that point in time. So I, complete, I completely gave up my career. We can get, get into that one later on too. But So I shifted my whole entire life. And I was like, I'm going to be a dad first. I'll figure the money out. I'll figure the career out. I'm smart enough. We'll, we'll get there. I, I want to be a dad first. That meant the world to me. And I want to have a good relationship with her whenever that happens. And so I just immediately accepted the fact that we're on different timelines. And the only thing I can do is have empathy and sympathy for her as she works through hers. That's it. It's your only option. Right. And it's not one you want to hear. It's not one that makes people happy. I'm five and a half years into it. By now, I've had enough. I promise doesn't matter. Yesterday, my daughter had a tournament and it was an hour away. We should have rode together to the tournament. Now, if we're both in serious relationships, whole separate story, right? but we're not like my daughters would have loved one, that family moment. It wouldn't have taken any time. We sit side by side when we get there anyways. There's no, there's no like tension between us once we get there. And, and I'm like, why the hell can't we just ride together? But if that would have affected my mood going into like that tournament, I promise something would have happened. Like so there, that would have brought com- a completely you know, unnecessary just tension. Right. So I'm like, all right, in my head, it's a win. We sit side by side and we're rooting on our daughter and we have very different, you know, styles that you're our daughter on. So now we're at a point where if I get too loud, I look at her, I, I can just see like the, like the, the eyes. I'm like... <laughs> But yesterday was a yesterday was a was a big day. Like I I would I want to compliment her and like and thank her for this. Like I asked her, I'm like, hey, like, do you think I was a little too loud right there? And she was like, yeah. I'm like, hey, I didn't know because I'm just cheering her on. If you think that, like, just tap me on the shoulder and be like, hey, that might be too much for her. And so she was like, well, I don't want to start anything. I'm like, I promise, I give you my word. Like, I will have no reaction. Like, I'm asking for it and I appreciate it. Right. So like, our timelines are different. You've got to accept that. Like, one, it's not your plan, it's God's. And, and two, you have different expectations. And to hold them to the same expectation you hold yourself to, you're just going to fail miserably and be miserable forever. And I don't, I didn't want that. I couldn't. My divorce was hard enough. I have no friends and family here. I was a single dad, and they were one month before their second and fourth birthdays. So they were one and three. Like, I didn't have time to be upset. Right. I remember telling God, like, I'm, I've never doubted you, but we're about to find out real fast if you're real. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it's, 
I had no time to be upset. I had no time to be mad. I lost half my income overnight just from the that. I lost the rest of it through the process. Like, so you just make decisions on what you want and what you're willing to do to achieve them. And that's my answer on co-parenting. Like, co-parenting is really, really hard. There's a lot of emotion. Think of all the beautiful emotion with marriage. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, right? Like happiest day of your life, blah, blah, blah. Like, so it, there's an equal and opposite reaction for every action. Like divorce is the inverse of that. There's right. a ton of, there's, it's, there's, it's so emotional that it's impossible to be handled perfectly. Impossible. That's exactly how I describe grief in a lot of ways. You know, you have such a love for your, in my case, my husband, you know, and then he's killed. And then all of that love is flipped and used against you. It feels like it's, it feels like it's flipped and used mm-hmm. against you as sure. a, as a weapon now. And it's no longer your friend. It's like your, and you're, and it just, it's a, it's carnage. It's emotional, yeah. spiritual, physical carnage. It wreaks on you. So there are a lot of, a lot of parallels that people can, can make between the two. So I, I get it, you know, I, I get that whole feeling. And so I have a bigger respect for parents who co-parent amicably as amicably as can possibly be done. Right. There's always, like you said, there's a reason you get divorced. So, yeah. you know, those reasons are going to overlap and those personality clashes and differences are going to, but it's how you manage them and how you remember to take a deep breath and put the kids first. I'll uh, say, I'll say this real yeah. quick to wrap this up. If somebody has to ask me, how did I put, how do I put the kids first? I'm going to snap right back and be like, the fact that you need to ask that question is sad. Right. Because if you're not leading with that, right. you got a lot of work to do. Yeah. I've also noticed I'm really direct in some of these answers and I leave, I don't leave much room for interpretation because if they, if they are asking, they are seeking. Right. And I don't want them seeking after on a few topics and a few things. Like, I don't want them seeking after that question. Like, it's always the kids. Always. Right. You will, you will always be taken care of if you leave, if you leave in that direction. Yeah. And then that gets into the whole dating when you're a single parent, that's a whole Mm -hmm. other sphere and finding that person who understands that, you know, the kids have to come first, like that's it. And if you have to explain that, it's probably not gonna, probably not going to, to work out. Um, (laughs) You know, I had I had some doozies with that one too. You know, dudes would get mad. I'd be like, "Hey, nice to meet you. Here's my phone. It's on the table. I'm not going to answer it unless it's one of my kids. They were young teenagers at the time. Like, you know, so if my kids call me or text me, I'm immediately picking it up. And if they need me, I'm I'm 15, 20 minutes away. Like, and if my kids need me, this dinner is over. I'm like, are we cool? <laughs> you know, and that's how you you call the herd really fast that way. Let's just put it that way. Oh yeah. <laughs> that'll be that that can be for the second podcast because that's that's a topic i've I've gone so far down that rabbit hole yeah (laughs) yeah i know it is interesting and the stories to tell but you know it's worth it and then just stay the course and you don't give up it'll all be worth it when you you find find the right one you know so in terms of turning then a career again as a single parent you want to be accessible to your kids and to there was a a few years where I had that nine to five and I had my four kids who were still, I think my youngest was like nine or something at the time. And so it was hard to leave them. They got used to me being there and now I'm leaving them. And they're those quote latchkey kids that come home by themselves. And mm-hmm. I'm rolling in a couple hours later. My youngest is in the driveway crying, waiting for me. Cause he thought I was dead. I was 15 minutes late. Like that, like, so it's brutal. So if you can find a way to work 
from your home around your kids, create your own schedule, which it looks like you've done, which my fiance has done. What a, that's so worth it, right? Um, yes, it's, I will, I'll say but, this. Yes, but. Yeah, so I've, <laughs> again, like I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. You can only have empathy if you've gone through a similar experience or if you right. have wisdom of the experience. Otherwise, you only have sympathy. Like you, I, you cannot be empathetic towards a situation or for a person if you've never experienced their feeling. Uh, and I feel a, like that's a, I'm going to, I know that's not where you're going, but I'm going to push back for a half a second and go yeah, there. Please. Cause I feel like if somebody is a little intuitive on energy, like mm-hmm. I feed off of energy, I can actually feel, I won't sure. remember your name, your face, but I will remember energy when I'm standing next to someone. And there are some times where I can literally almost feel like, God, that person was, in, was hurting. I could see it in their eye. I could feel it. I yep. could just feel their sadness. And I feel like and then I feel that sadness. So I feel like because you've because you've experienced in a way, like I could feel like this person is just yeah. like I feel so bad for them, right? Like I, totally I don't know what that. their problem is, but I feel their sadness. And, and yeah, so what you've connected to though is that yeah. you felt you you have experienced deep sadness. And I don't mean like right, sadness. Okay. No, no, no. I <laughs> so I I I no, I, I hear it. That's okay. But I hear you know what you just flipped it around. I'm like, okay, no, he wins. That's a, that's a true point. Like I see it now. So, onward. so no, it's, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, um, yeah. I say this because I've, I've, the things that I have experienced, I'm a huge proponent of experiencing them all the way. Yes. And because I, I truly, as hokey as this might sound, I truly feel that my calling, like my deep spiritual calling is I, I'm intellectually gifted to where I can process the information, the feelings to then be, to, to share them with people that can get themselves in a really dark place or mm-hmm. can truly feel like there's no hope. Um, and, you know, having experienced what I have experienced from childhood, you know, all the way through, which could be a number of podcasts, um, is that I, I, I can connect and talk about a number of different pains. One of them, you know, the career pain. So I was a straight A student all through my whole entire life. I went to undergrad on an academic scholarship. Um, went to business school. I was hired by SAP, which is the world's biggest software company out of business school, was then recruited to another big software company, was the youngest person on my sales team in North America by 10 years. Like my career was flying off the shelf. Um, and I had done everything right. And, you know, my divorce was very unexpected. Um, and it changed everything overnight, everything overnight. Um, I couldn't travel or I could travel. I could see my kids every other weekend. And I could go and, and keep building that career. And now I, I, now I'm not even a dad or a husband. I can come home every other weekend, be a weekend dad and just write a check and then go triple down on my career. That's a hundred percent an option. And I see why so many guys do it. I don't agree with it, but I can see how it happens. It is a, I had an attorney tell me I've been in court for a long time because I, I have 44% custody and it should be 50, 50. And in New Jersey, it's a hard road. If, if, if the parents don't agree on 50, 50 and you're going to the court to get it, you're not getting it as a dad. And I have spent my life savings fighting the court on that. My attorney said, Carl, you got to understand the judge just doesn't see people like you. Like, the dad that had your success just write the check 
And if they can't, they just disappear. And the reality is, is that I, I can't get mad that that's how the court looks at men. That's not, my battle isn't with them. It's to go be an example because I, I know how the court got there because dads don't show up. Not all, not, not most, not most. I see where they dip out. I can tell because I've gone through every struggle that's made me be like, now I get it. Now I want to get out of here. And so one, my, my, my focus is on being the example to other dads being like, you can't dip or this system never changes. Right. Um, but with that, I had to completely give up my career. And that was probably the hardest battle spiritually, battle mentally, battle with depression. You know, I, I, don't, I don't come from much. Like my dad was a cotton picker. And the way I view things material and on a material level is they're a lot of fun. But if I don't have, if I lose them all, like, I don't, I don't really care either. Right, right. But I had, I, I definitely had reached a point of influence and success in Philadelphia. I mean, I was right there. And to lose all of it, I, when you make the choice to be a dad first, it's a burn the bridge kind of decision. Um, otherwise, I would only have like my, my, gosh, I can't imagine with my daughters, if my daughters and I didn't have the relationship that we have and I didn't have my career, that's suicide. And I don't joke with suicide. I lost my best friend to suicide. I've never, ever been suicidal, but I'll tell you, I've had nights I don't want to have again. Yeah. Like I, I've, I definitely see how a guy can, I can definitely see how a man going through what I went through can accidentally make a choice in a moment that they can't take back. I can yeah. see it so clearly how it could happen. So you make certain choices in this, in the divorce process, especially if you're evaluating like a, like a career that was pushing and charging as hard as I was. Um, I just made the choice that no matter what, every Monday and Tuesday, I'll see my daughters. And every other weekend, I'll see them. I've never missed a practice, a practice. I've never missed a game. And, you know, five and a half years later, my daughter will tell you like, and they, they've got a great mom. It isn't that she like doesn't come to games. But my daughters will tell you like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in life, but I know that my dad will always be there. And they're nine and seven. And that's how they are. That's how they view it. Because you were saying it earlier, like, so my daughters live in two different towns. They go to school in a third town. And they do all their sports in a fourth town. Wow. Yeah. Now living up in Jersey, everything is so clustered that it's like, okay. you know, we don't go very far to go across four towns, right. but nonetheless, they, they don't have like their friends that live down the street that they all go to school with. They all play sports with, they all, they don't have that. Like they, they don't have a core set of anything. Everything is coming and going all the time with them. Um, yeah. but I will be, I will be the constant for sure. No, matter just no matter what, I just unequivocally made that choice and it's changed when it comes to my career. I've, I mean, I've been fired six times in the last four years. <laughs> That's great it's, because I mean, of the kids, because of the schedule no, and your priorities? Because, oh. of the kids, because of the choices that I, that I made. And that's a, that's a great point. I think people really mess this up because they say it in jest. They say like, because I'm a single parent or because I have to pick the kids up. No, 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 no. Like because of the choices that we've made. So Again, jazz, like, was it like just a, a work culture that you didn't like or no, the job no, like, itself or you just didn't? My overall situation. Okay. Like my, my ex-wife lives at home. She's a huge family. They all live here. So her mom picks the kids up from school. I don't have anyone to pick the kids up from school. 245, 
I'm picking them up from school. Right. Period. I don't, I don't have, you know, like moms call moms if they also, if they need help. Right. So like dad doesn't call mom if they need help. That'll start a whole other, that's a whole other fun topic. You don't have all the single moms like, oh, maybe I'll call Carl and we can I have the unhappily married moms is what I have. And that's not a, that's not a game I play. No. Oh, all right. Mm. No, that's That's also a super real, like bizarre world. That's weird. Yeah. That's totally exist. That's I've learned all those boundaries. (laughs) That's really Mm. weird. I don't even. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's a weird one. Okay. But there's also not the single, they have, like, it hasn't happened yet. Like the mass and it shouldn't happen. And it sucks to say this, but like the mass divorce rate. Right. It's like in middle school. Like they haven't every year. There's like one or two more kids in my daughter's classes, but it hasn't. I mean, we, I was only married for two years. We were together for a long time, mm-hmm. but we are, we weren't married for very long. Like we were divorced pretty quick. I mean, I've been my daughter's only nine. We were divorced for five and a half years now. Like, so yeah. all of that hasn't really happened yet. Like the other single parents. Um, but no, my, my point is that like, I, I made my choices. Like I, I, I made the choice. That I'm picking them up at two forty five every day. Yeah. I made the choice to marry my ex-wife that led to the divorce. Looking back, probably could have seen some of this stuff coming. Like I made the choice that I'm going to be active. Um, so they're all my choices. It's, I don't, I didn't get fired because, because of the kids, because I got picked them up. I made the choice and you know, when they pay right. you as much as they pay you in software. Yeah. That's what I mean. You're like, it's more important for me to be there for the kids 100%. than it is for me to have this job. Um, yeah. that's where you're at. That's why I left my, my other job. That's a big reason why I left that, that full-time job I had too. I'm like, I get it. I appreciate it. I needed the job, but I need to, I need to be with my kids, you know? So I get that. And that's what I'm saying. Like there's, there are avenues. I know there's parents out there or there's non-parents out there, but for the purpose of this, we'll stick with parents. There's parents out there um, who would love to be able to build their own work schedule and their time and be available for their kids when they want to be available for the kids at all times. Their kid is sick. If there's any more, like you want to, and that's, that's a freedom, right? This, this zero is flexure freedom, but that's a freedom that we have to build in. And I know a lot of people are like, God, I would, I would love to do what Carl does. I have a lot of people that come to me. Oh, it must be nice that you get to do this. I'm like, yes, but I'm also working weekends and I'm up at five and I'm thinking about this and nothing's like steady. And so, you know, like, so yes, it is nice. That's why I do it, but you don't see Mm -hmm. the work that goes into it. Right. But they also say, but I could never do that. Like, I can't do that because I don't have X, Y, or Z, or I don't know how to do this. So what would be, would you have any words of advice for, let's say, a parent who is looking to be able to take that thing they love doing or that talent they have yeah. or whatever you call it and turn that into a career path where they can do what you and I are, are able to do and yeah. build that schedule to be there for your kids? So I'll touch on the must be nice because it, it definitely gets under my skin. You get that? <laughs> yeah. And my response is very simple. I'm yeah. like, it must be nice to kiss your kids goodnight every night too. Yep. And it usually stops right there because perspective is only through our own eyes. And I do understand that. I totally get it. Um, I I was much like yourself. Like I was forced into viewing the world differently. If I had not gone through divorce, I would not be the parent that I am at Mm -hmm. all. I I say it all the time. People are like, Oh, you're such an amazing parent. And I'm like, I'm not some savant parent. Like the, like the book I'm writing right now about parenting, it's called like treat your kids like your clients. Like if we talk to our kids the same way we talk to our clients, we have far better relationships with our kids. 
think of how nice you are to your clients or even the prospective clients. You want them to do what you're telling them to do. You want them to like you and trust you. You want them to listen to you. It's all the same things we want our we want from our kids. Would you ever talk to a client the way you talk to your kids? Of course not. I never would have thought like this though until I had a two and four year old in the grocery store and I couldn't afford a meltdown. It wasn't that like I demanded it from them. It's like, no, there wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, they're crazy. Mom, can you pick up the groceries? I got to get them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was y'all. We got to get through this together. Um, and so I think it's the same way with, with this question. I, I, I think people have got to make the choice. What do they want and what are they willing to do to achieve it? So if you make $20 million, you're making $20 million because you want a $10 million house and then a $5 million second house. And then a like success, get, we lose like the depth of success, I think, real quick. Like, what do you, what do you want truly? Is, are all of your actions aligned to it? Like, if we talk about generational wealth, like, what does that mean? Like, the first, the first generation makes it, second main, you know, the second generation barely mains, maintains it, and the third generation blows it. So, like, unless you're, you know, one of the top families, unless you're a Vanderbilt, like generational wealth is a very fluid term as well. Like, so what are we, what are we trying to do? So for me, it was like, I, and again, I was lucky that I had this, this rude awakening. It's like, I want, I, I want to be with my daughters and experience life with them. I want to make enough money to have the house I do want. And that's not a small house because I live up North and my daughters do competitive cheer and they do soccer. So the house, you know, growing up in Southern California, I have to worry about weather. We just played sports all year. But I want to have a barn that they can, in the wintertime, they can, their teams can, they can have full on practices like on their, on our property. Right. Like weather will never stop them from training. All right. Well, that's one that isn't cheap to build. And two, there's not a whole lot of land in South Jersey to figure that out. So yes, I know, I know what I want there. I'm huge on experiences. First time I went to Europe, I was 22. Yeah. We, I traveled to some States in a giant minivan when we would drive from California to Texas. Like my daughters have been on 30 flights by now. Right. Like they go with me places. They got to greet the vice president off of Air Force Two a couple of years ago. Like we're doing things and we're going to keep doing things. That takes money. Great. Got that chunk. I want to bless some people. Really big on that. It's a huge part of my life. And you won't see that posted on social media, on social media very often because it doesn't need to be. Right. Great. That takes a chunk. I want a chunk for the grandkids. Right. Let me take care of my yeah, family. You just map it all out. Like you're not it's chasing point. money. You're chasing things and impact and experiences and life. And there's a reason there's a purpose. It's not just empty dollars and toys and distractions. Yeah. You reverse right. engineer and you realize that it's not as much as you think. Right. You realize that there's so many routes at 20, 30, 40, 50 grand a month. Right. The, the reason that people who are listening are asking that question and they're not doing anything is because they're scared to death. And the upside of people like us is that I, I've, I've hit ground zero. I hit rock bottom and I realized that I survived it. And I'll tell you a scary attribute is when you hit rock bottom and you survive it, 
you're not scared of it anymore. It's really liberating, isn't it? When, when I have called my experience, my trauma, because I've been through it, right? And I'm like, you know, in a way it was kind of liberating. Man, did I get hate for that? Oh, she's calling that liberating. Her husband's death is liberating. I'm like, you're not listening, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but that's okay. But yeah, I get it. It is liberating. Um, and so there has to be an upside to everything you go through. You have to be able to flip it. Carl, this has been so cool talking with you and I appreciate you taking the time to work through our, you know, pre-interview issues and all that. I definitely love to have you back. We didn't get into get to get into what you're doing now. Let's talk about it quick. You're working with Pat at Acoustic Force. One of the things you're doing, let's talk about that and where people can find you guys and work with you guys. Definitely. So uh, Pat Hilton um, is a great MC. He hosts a lot of events. He hosted our event. He emceed our event. Yeah, absolutely. And two years ago, do you remember when Clubhouse was a thing? Yes. So two years ago, people were hiring Pat to like run their rooms. Right. And Pat knew, and, they, and the way the host worked is they would bring people on stage. Right. Pat knew that I know a lot about a lot of topics. So he would bring me on stage to these big rooms, guys that were big name people that were in there. And he would just bring me up and then I would crush whatever topic. And then the, the person's room it was would look at Pat and be like, oh, that was a great, that was such a great thing that you did. We kind of like had this little system that we played through clubhouse mm-hmm. and it made him look good. It made me look good. And then I was still selling software. And in the background, I was helping him like build this business because of the last two years, my whole entire life has been short form video. Right. I can tell you everything you want to know about TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube in my life. Mm-hmm. And so uh, real quick story is a few months ago, I was visiting my mother. She has a ranch out in Texas and they had this little bitty convenience store in the middle of nowhere. And I was done. I had hit a wall in my career and not like I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get a new job. I mean, like done, done. I remember telling Pat, like, Pat, the happiest hour of my day is when you call asking for advice. The happiest hour of my day. So like, let's just figure this out. Because when I fly back to Jersey from Texas, like I'm done. I couldn't be more serious. Um, And uh, so we figured out, we figured it all out. And, you know, our entire agency is built upon the fact that it's not social media. That whole world has changed. It used to be based on your social interest, your social like profile, and now it's all based on your interest and what you like and what you engage with. And all platforms are moving to that. So social media, as you know, it is completely over. It's completely done. And you're going to see an entirely new wave, same platforms, but new way of, engage, of engagement. And we, I just figured that out. I figured out the fact that you know, your life is now three second increments. That's either 15, 30, or 60 seconds long. You get yeah. to compact an entire story into that framework. And we've constructed that framework. Um, I didn't really know how many people that would be valuable to. And so we started going to people with that package of, of packaging it. And we just had our biggest month. Uh, we did almost doubled our sales last month. Um, nice. Growing at a, at a crazy rate. So the company's name is Acoustic Force Media. Um, you can find Pat at Pat Hilton. You can find me at, at Carl Epolito. Very, we're, I'm the easiest guy to find on the internet because I'm the only person in the world that has my name. Yeah, um, <laughs> that is nice. Barb Allen, I keep saying, if I ever needed to go into witness protection, I wouldn't even have to change my name. <laughs> I just disappeared. There's I'm so the many of us. Of that. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely give these guys a look up. Um, what you guys do, Acoustic Forest Media, is really freaking awesome. I've seen it. I'm a fan of it. I, and Pat is a force to be reckoned with. And the two of Absolutely. you together, 
are going places together. I appreciate both of you. I definitely, I'd love to have you back on for the next layer of of all these things that we could talk about. Cause I think Absolutely. it is really important family building your family, strengthening yourself and your family is so important. There's so many ways to do it and it doesn't have to look like the traditional way, right? You can mm-hmm. pivot when your life goes off course, you can pivot with it and make it better. So Carl, again, thank you so very much. This has been Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. 